Catholic Family Podcast presents Lent Around the World Daily Traditional Catholic Meditations Read by our friends from across the globe The Passion and Death of Our Lord Jesus Christ by the Most Reverend Albin Goodyear Chapter 3, Part 8 The Holy Eucharist They had settled down again at the table, and the supper went on as before. Jesus had broken the proceedings with a strange ceremony, which had filled the twelve with more than their usual reverence. He had renewed his commandment of love, of mutual love at all costs, making his own love the standard for theirs, and they were filled with the glow of the commandment. They were nearer to one another than they had ever been before, made one family in him. They were nearer to him all he had done and all he had said had drawn them till they forgot themselves and their personal wranglings. Their eyes and thoughts were riveted now on him, for there was nothing left to distract him. To love him, to love one another with him among them, was one and the same thing and was easy. Then while they sat there silent and looked on, waiting for the more he had evidently in his mind to say, he took in his hands the unleavened bread that lay on the board before him. He held it for a moment in his hands. His eyes turned toward heaven, as they had always done when he spoke to his father. He released his right hand, and lowering his eyes again upon the bread, he blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces, and while he held it still in his left hand, he said, Take ye and eat. This is my body which is given for you. And as he spoke, he handed the plate with its contents to Peter and John and the rest. They took it from his hands, they passed it down the table one to another. Each one received a portion. Or was it as Ludolf the Carthusian and, and others would have it, and as Fra Angelico has painted it, that he gave to his disciples, to each one with his own hand? As they received each his portion, the disciples knew that what they were eating was no ordinary food. They were not subtle theologians, they were the simplest of men, and they heard the words from one who they had long known could neither deceive nor be deceived, and whom they could absolutely trust. Indeed, if he had ever complained of them, it was, had usually been that they would not trust him enough. O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? had been on his lips more than once. They could take him at his word. Wonderful, impossible as it was, yet what he said was true. His words on the summit of Olivet less than three days ago were still fresh in their minds. Have the faith of God. Amen, I say to you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not stagger in his heart, but believe that whatsoever he saith shall be done, it shall be done unto him. Besides, how carefully he had trained them to accept that which now he had explicitly declared. At the beginning of his life in their company, he had won their faith by changing water into wine, and his disciples believed in him. He had raised the dead in their presence, so that the people, less instructed than they, had cried, a great prophet is risen up among us, and God hath visited his people. Alone with them in the ship on the lake, he had commanded the storm and the waters, and they, 
being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, Who is this, think you, that he commandeth the winds and the sea, and they obey him? On the northern shore of the lake he had fed five thousand men, and more, with a few loaves and fishes. And again the people had proclaimed, This is of a truth the prophet that is to come into the world. On the next day, in the synagogue at Capernaum, he had spoken of the living bread he would one day give, bread from heaven, to which the bread brought down by Moses would be as nothing, bread which would be himself, his flesh, for the life of the world. Often since then they had asked each other what his words could mean, and had never been able to reply. This only they knew, that he whom they followed was true. He who had changed one substance into another, who had commanded life and death, who had ruled the powers of nature, who had fed thousands with a little bread, who had rebuked devils and had forgiven sins with his word, would one day keep the solemn promise which he had made that day. The bread which I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. During the year since the promise had been given, they had held to the confession which Simon had made that day for them all. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have known that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in the strength of that confession they had believed, and had encouraged each other to trust, so that when the time of manifestation came they might know and understand. Now, on a sudden, so quietly, as was the way with Jesus, so unexpectedly, as in the way with one who loves, so unreservedly, for this night he was giving as never before, the revelation had been made. The sign of bread had been given, looked for since the days of Melchizedek, who had sacrificed in bread and wine, since the manna had fallen in the desert. It had been given not to the five thousand, as had once been thought, they could not have understood, but to the eleven, whom by word and deed, by encouragement and rebuke, by long cherishing of faith and love and trust, he had carefully trained to receive it. They heard his words. They knew they were true. Instantly, they were thinking on another plane, living in another world, a world that transcended human understanding, but was not the less true on that account. Nay, it was almost tangible. Faith was more certain than reason. They saw and did not see, but what they did not see was more real than the object of sight. They understood and did not understand, because human understanding failed them. The impossible was transparently true. They lived, no, not they, but Jesus Christ their Lord lived in them. Love had achieved its consummation. He who had loved as no other could love had found a means which no other could have found to perfect union with his own beloved. Faith itself was not a new thing, for his eyes saw for them, his mind thought in them. Love had now a new meaning, for his heart burnt within them. Hope had a new awakening, for his confidence gave them a courage that was not theirs. They could do all things in him who strengthened them. If a moment before, when he washed their feet, they could say nothing, much less could they utter anything now. They could only adore. And even while they adored, they knew not what they did. 
They sat there, silent and spellbound by the fascination, knowing and not knowing, lost in a mystery. Meanwhile, Jesus reached out his hand to the vessel of wine before him. He poured some into a cup. He added a little water, as was the custom at a feast. Again, he went through the same ceremony. He took the double-handed cup in his hands. He raised his eyes to heaven. He cast them down again, and with his right hand blessed the cup and its contents. He put it to his own lips and tasted it. Then quietly, definitely, clearly, for all to hear, he said, All of you drink of this, for this is my blood of the New Testament. This is the chalice, the New Testament in my blood, which shall be shed for many unto the remission of sins. Amen, I say to you, I will not drink from henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I shall drink it with you new in the kingdom of my Father. All of you drink of this. He was not content that one of them should be omitted, as none were to be omitted from the cups that had belonged to the Paschal Feast. For now definitely the old had passed away, and with that act the new had begun. This is my blood of the New Testament, the New Testament in my blood. The minds of those who heard him could not but go back to that other scene, for it was familiar to them all, the very night they were celebrating its memory. Then Moses took half of the blood and put it into bowls, and the rest he poured upon the altar. And taking the book of the covenant, he read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All things that the Lord has spoken we will do, we will be obedient. And he took the blood and sprinkled it upon the people, and he said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. In blood the old covenant had been sealed. But their forefathers had long known that this covenant and this bloodshedding was only for a sign. The day would come when there would be a new covenant, sealed with new blood, and this would bind them with God forever and ever. So the prophet Jeremiah had foretold. Behold, the day shall come, saith the Lord, and I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, the covenant which they made void, and I had dominion over them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will give my law in their bowels, and I will write it in their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them even to the greatest, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This, then, was what he was doing before them. The ceremony of the old covenant had been performed. He had followed it up with a new commandment. He was sealing that commandment with his blood, which in some mystic way was being shed for them. As he had done with the bread, so now he handed the cup to Peter and John, that they might drink of it and might pass it to the rest. And they all drank of it. The emphasis is full of significance, for as they drank, they knew that what they drank was more than it appeared. The bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. 
He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood abideth in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, the same also shall live by me. It was all now clear and certain. In the midst of mystery, it was certain. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They did not know, but what of that? How had he made heaven and earth? How had he raised the dead? How had he won their hearts so that to doubt his word, whatever he might say, was impossible? Though the sun may be hidden in the clouds, nonetheless is its presence manifest in the daylight shed beneath it. Though the ultimate meaning of his words was lost in God, nonetheless was it manifest that what he said was true. They had eaten his flesh, they were drinking his blood, the blood of the New Testament. As the Father dwelt in him, he dwelt in them. It was the blood to be shed for many, the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the new sacrifice, the sealing blood of the new covenant made between God and man. Before them, Jesus was performing his first act as the new high priest, the priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. It was his last act in the old dispensation, his first act in the new. The next time he would eat and drink with them, it would be in the kingdom of my father, in the kingdom which by then he would have won. He had given them the new law, the law not of justice only, but of love. He had sealed it with his blood, and that blood he had given to them in a loving cup. But he could not stop with that. On this night of divine generosity, there was yet more to be done. When Moses had announced the salvation of his people through the blood, he had said to them, And this day shall be for a memorial to you, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord in your generations with an everlasting observance. And again, and it shall be as a sign in thy hand, and as a memorial before thy eyes, and that the law of the Lord be always in thy mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt. In like manner this lover of all men could not but look down the ages that were to come. Already he had said in the synagogue at Capernaum that his flesh would be for the life of the world. Now, when he gave his all, he could not but think of all for whom he gave it. Not for the eleven only, were this body and this blood to be sacrificed, not by them only were they to be eaten and drunk. There were the others of the fold, his followers even then. There were the centuries to succeed of living men and women who would be to him no less dear than those with whom he then lived. There was that body to be built up of living men in him, through him, made one by union with him. That body which would receive its life from him, of which he was to be the head. The mystery of that night was not a thing of time. It was not a ceremony of that supper only. It was, like himself, yesterday, today, and forever. Therefore, for the sake of all mankind, he would give to these mortal men the power which they had just seen exercised. If in the old dispensation God had set apart men of his own choosing, 
that they might offer the ancient sacrifices, he would do no less for the new. Thus had the Lord spoken to Moses, Take unto thee also Aaron thy brother with his sons from among the children of Israel, that they may minister to me in the priest's office. And again of the Levites, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites out of the midst of the children of Israel, and thou shalt purify them. And Aaron shall offer the Levites as a gift in the sight of the Lord from the children of Israel, that they may serve in his ministry. And thou shalt set the Levites in the sight of Abraham and his sons, and shalt consecrate them, being offered to the Lord, and shall separate them from the midst of the children of Israel, to be mine. These were they of whom the law had said, They shall be holy to their God, and shall not profane his name. For they offer the burnt offerings of the Lord and the bread of their God, and therefore they shall be holy. Indeed, what else had he been doing during these last three years but prepare these men for the consecration of this night? He had resolved, out of his love, to remain for all time with men. He would use his own as the means to draw him to them. He had chosen them apart himself. He had made them his apostles. One, he had made the rock on which his church would rise. More than to any others he had given himself to them. He had called them the salt of the earth, the light of the world. He had bestowed on them the power of miracles, bidding them at the same time freely to give what they had freely received. He had told them that what they bound on earth should be bound in heaven, and what they loosed on earth should be loosed in heaven. Whatever else these fishermen of Galilee may have failed to understand in the teaching of their master, they knew that they were destined for some tremendous mystery. They were destined to be the priests of Jesus Christ their Lord. Now the moment had come. He had just offered the first sacrifice of the New Testament. He had given himself to these his own. When he had spoken of his own miracles, He had told them that greater than these things they would one day do. Moreover, though he had given them so much, yet was he not satisfied. He must give them yet more. They should have this power in addition. He would put himself a prisoner in their hands, in their hands and in the hands of their appointed successors, so long as man should need him, which would be so long as man wept in the valley of this death. The cup had gone round. All had drunk of it. They were lost in the mystery of it all, in the silence which was that of adoration, prayer in which words will not come. Again he spoke, Do this for a commemoration of me. And at the instant, those simple men of Galilee had in their hands the awful power of the priesthood.